everybody. Welcome back to Looking for the Real God. This is Christy Lynn Wood. Today we're going to be talking about deconstructing our faith without deconverting. There is a big difference and it is possible. Hey everyone, super excited to be back here for episode two of season five. And it's been fun to just kind of see some of the feedback from episode one. People who said, this is exactly what I need um, right now. Like right now, thank you for talking about this. So super fun. I love that. It's fun to see that God kind of already knows what's going on, obviously. And I get to kind of play a part of that. And and like I said, when I first started this season, I felt like this was such a super important topic right now, just because of all the things that are going on that are happening. So apparently I'm right. So <laughs> that's good to know. Um, today we're going to be talking about deconstructing our faith without deconverting. And I know that if you talk to a lot of people who have deconstructed, many of them have deconverted and they no longer believe in Jesus Christ as Savior. They no longer call themselves a Christian and they would say that they have officially deconverted from the Christian faith. And I really don't think that has to be our ending place. And some of us may pause there for a while, but I don't think that has to be the ending place. And I would just encourage you that if you're thinking like, man, I need to deconstruct my faith, but I don't want to leave Jesus. Like, that's okay. That is possible. And so that's kind of the point of this this episode today is just that let's walk through what that looks like. Guys, there's a lot of stuff we have to deconstruct. Um, Even just if you're not If you didn't even grow up in like super legalistic land, if you just had mainstream experience, these things probably still touched you. Things like the purity culture, especially in the 90s and early 2000s, that purity culture, man, that was rampant. And much of that was not actually biblical. The prosperity gospel, this is a huge thing to have to deconstruct, whether or not you were in a conservative environment. And you might not recognize it as prosperity gospel in conservative environment, but anything that's like formulaic and saying like, if I follow Jesus, then all these good things are going to happen to me and I'm going to avoid all these bad things. Like that's not biblical at all, at all. And so it's a huge thing to have to deconstruct. Christian patriarchy. This is everywhere. And I'm just recognizing it more and more. I just really think it's something we need to rethink, like relook at, refocus on. Is this actually biblical? And all these religious formulas that we've experienced, whether it's like I have to pray this certain prayer before God will accept me, or if I have to like ask him to forgive me of all of my sins I just did before I can pray to him, like whatever these religious formulas were that we've experienced, they need to be deconstructed. So we have a lot of this extra biblical stuff that we need to deconstruct, and it's kind of overwhelming. And as I've been listening to these Mars Hill podcasts by Christianity Today, like I talked about last week, I am blown away by the connections across the board. Like it was really weird to hear that Mark Driscoll in this, you know, mainstream megachurch in Seattle, Washington was super into these gender roles and women have to stay home and men have to be the leader and just hyper masculinity and just all this stuff that I grew up with in my cult. And it was just like, wait a minute, that's that's really familiar. Like, why is this mainstream across the board and also my cult? And then when they interviewed Josh Harris and they were talking about the church that he was pastoring, 
once again, we have the same idea, this like, super conservative homeschooling, gender roles, um, just really specific ideas of what it means to be a man and a woman. And just women are pressed down and told they need to be quiet and stay at home and be gentle and calm. And I was like, wow, this is so familiar. Like what is going on? And that's that kind of that Christian patriarchy and that this just extreme gender roles that is unfortunately seems to be mainstream. This is just stuff we have to deconstruct. Is this really, is this really real? And once again, we got these formulas across the board and it's like, how did this escape into, into mainstream life? Like, it's so weird. I, I look back at my 10 years in my Christian cult with my skirts and my long hair and my rules and all the formulas and all of everything. I mean, extreme gender roles there and just extreme expectations for women and and everything. And I'm like, how did this get mainstream? And I think so much of it just kind of snuck in. And I think it is partly just our religious natures. Like we tend to be religious anyway. And, but you know, like Instagram and blogs and you could just be like, oh, it's so cute. Oh, it's so nice. The Duggars, you know, look at how healthy it is. It's harmless. It's good. It's healthy, but it's not. I mean, at the core, it's this legalistic religion of we must follow these behaviors and these standards in order to be acceptable to God, in order to be holy, in order to be whatever. And it's all this extra stuff. And honestly, if you look at that and you look at history and you look at Jesus when he was here on earth, it's not his disciples that looked like this. Like it's the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the ones that were zealous for the law, zealous for this performance behaviors, zealous for all these rules and extra things they added to try to make sure the law was kept. And they were zealous for rules and behaviors so much to the point that they missed the real God walking in front of them. They thought they were following God. They thought they were being holy like him and they missed him. Like they completely missed him and then they helped to kill him. So that's a problem. And when our modern evangelical churches look more like the Pharisees and the disciples, like that's a pretty big issue. And yet at the same time, this is human nature, guys. This is what we do. We are enemies of God. We are naturally religious. And so we will gravitate toward religion every time. Every time. Look at church history. Look at biblical history. Like every time we gravitate towards these rules and behaviors and we miss God, but he never gives up on us. He's always chasing after us and he's always calling us back to a relationship with himself, not formulas, not rules, not behaviors, but an actual relationship where we become one with him and he is one with us and he remakes us into the person that he has intended us to be all along. That is a beautiful thing. It's about this oneness, this closeness, this relationship with the, with the God who created us. Astounding and crazy. So deconstruction, guys, it's hard. It's hard. It's a process. And some of us might have to just tear things down completely. Some of us can just kind of tear it down to this golden center in the middle that's still true. And others of us have to just completely destroy it because there is no golden center. Like it's all just junk. And we've never actually understood who God is, what salvation is, who Jesus is, what the point of this all is. And all we have is this religious garbage that we have to get rid of. So I'm going to share with you guys um, another poem. I literally do not write poems all the time. I know you're going to be like, what, Christy, another poem? 
I really am not like a poet, but lately they've just been coming to me. So um, this one's short. Uh, here we go. I was just thinking about um, my own experience and my own deconstruction and reconstruction of my faith. And this just came to me. And it says, I stretch my hand back through the fabric of history, holding the cords and creeds that have woven us together as believers for thousands of years. And with my other hand, I shave off the lint that has attached itself to this beautiful tapestry over time. So I look back to the creeds of Christianity, to these histories and these creeds that we have believed since Jesus was here on earth and since he left. And it's called historical Christianity. There are certain creeds of the faith that have always been there since the beginning. And they have woven their way through through all kinds of messy church history, through all kinds of revivals, through all kinds of things. They've woven themselves through to us here in 2021. And these are the creeds. These are the cores of the faith. And I hold on to those, even as I'm trying to pick off the lint, shave off the lint that's gathered right now around these things we've called Christianity, our modern evangelical Christianity that just looks so much, like we said last week, really nothing like the original. Like there's pieces of it, but there's all these extras that have been added on. And so this is what I'm doing. I'm holding with one hand the creeds of the faith, and with the other hand, I'm picking off the junk. Picking off the junk. Guys, my story, and if you've joined my podcast recently, maybe you haven't heard my story, so I'm going to just share a brief, just a brief version of it again for you. I came to Christ as a seven-year-old, as much as you can understand the gospel as seven. I knew that I was a sinner. I believed that Jesus had died on the cross for my sins, and I wanted to trust him to be my savior. And so that was my beginning of a Christian faith, I guess you'd say. And we were still normal back then. We went to a normal church. My mom and dad homeschooled us, so that was a little weird, especially it was like in the 80s, and that really wasn't happening. But for the most part, my life was relatively normal. And then when I was 12, we joined a cultic group of homeschoolers slash like this church. It's kind of messy. It was Bill Gothard at his Institute of Basic Life Principles. We were part of his Advanced Training Institute um, homeschool curriculum. And it was really cultic. I mean, we just dove in head first. And it was very much like you can't share this material with anybody who's not a part of this group. You have to pay to be a part of it. You have to promise to follow these rules. And then it just got weirder from there. I mean, the, the farther in you got, the more twisted things were, the more religious it was, the more secretive it was, the more hidden wisdom he got from God to share with us. Like it just got really crazy and really nuts. And it wasn't like a cult where we all lived together in a compound. It was more like a cult of the mind. Like we were all connected through what we believed and what we knew to be the secret truths and to find success and blessings if we followed these steps and formulas. So it's just kind of bizarre, but um, it's worldwide. So it was affecting people across the world. And that's great. Not. Um, but that was when I was 12. We joined that group. And so I changed my life and I started wearing skirts and had already had long hair, but kept it long, um, gave up dating, never had dated anyway, but, you know, swore off dating, got rid of our rock music, stopped watching anything that wasn't G rated. Um, just a lot of standards, a lot of rules. We had to my dad even had to like agree not to wear jeans and get a grow a beard. It was just weird stuff. We started going to this church that was everyone that was like us. They were all part of Gothard's program. And so everything that I was surrounded with was people that also believe the same stuff. So when I was 15, 
I was doing my good girl devotions, praying this prayer that my mom had asked me to pray. And I suddenly realized that I was not alone in this bedroom of mine. Like there was a presence there with me and it shocked me and amazed me. And I was just in awe, just full of wonder and realized that God is real. Like he's real, real. And he wants to know me and he wants me to know him. And so that began my relationship with who I now know was the Holy Spirit, but I called him the real Jesus. And he just continued to draw me to himself, to teach me from the word by myself as I was reading it. And eventually, about the time I was 19 through 21, I started recognizing that the stuff that we've believed, it's not true. Like it doesn't line up with what the Bible actually says. And so I just kind of started walking away. I never really dealt with any of that until just a few years ago, but I walked away from a lot of it and just realized this isn't true. I became this rebel. I was kind of branded as a rebel and um, got really rebellious when I got a cartilage piercing, went to college, started wearing jeans, married a boy who was public schooled and was very much my opposite. And so my deconstruction was kind of, um, it wasn't really intentional. I would say at first it was kind of just, just happened. Like it just, it just happened. And so what did that look like for me? Well, a lot of it happened about eight or nine years ago when I really was just like sorting through everything and realizing, wow, I was in a cult. Like that's weird. But a lot of it also happened just gradually as I just threw things off and I just, just took things off. And then more recently than that, I went through even um, more church hurt and spiritual abuse and more of a normal situation. And that really, really made me deconstruct a lot of things that I thought I believed. And so there's just been a lot of this stripping down and building up over the years, but it's always been around Jesus Christ because I always knew that he was real. Like even in the middle of the craziness, he was there with me. He was real and I knew I could trust him. And so it's been something that has been just a huge part of my life is just this deconstruction around Jesus. So you can do it that way. And like I said, sometimes everything has to come down because maybe you don't even have real salvation or understand a relationship with Jesus Christ. I had a relationship with Jesus. And so, so much of my deconstruction and reconstruction has been around him. Like it's been like, let's do this together. Let's tear this down. Let's build it back up. What does this look like? What's true? What's not true? And just this constant relationship with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus Christ. And that's beautiful. I love that. I talk to people who don't have that because they never really had that real relationship. They didn't understand salvation. It was just one more behavior thing they did. And so that deconstruction and reconstruction is going to start with salvation. It's going to start with what does it mean to really have a relationship with God? Like, what does it mean even to understand who he is and what he wants from me and what the gospel is? And, you know, maybe even if you have a relationship with Jesus, it's going to go there because maybe even that was messy. But I just want to encourage you, like you can, you can deconstruct and reconstruct without leaving Jesus. You can do that without deconverting. It doesn't have to be something where you are just tearing it all down and leaving it all. If you want to, that's your choice. But if you don't want to, you don't have to. You don't have to. The next few episodes, we're going to be talking about just some deconstruction processes. What does it look like to deconstruct the Bible? What does it look like to deconstruct who God is? And what does it look like to just deconstruct what I believe and, and put it back again. So we're we talking about that for the next few weeks. I want to close with one of my favorite creeds. This is the Nicene Creed, and I love it. It's very old, and it's been around and used in liturgical churches for just hundreds and hundreds of years. Here it goes. 
I believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, the only begotten Son of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one essence of the Father, by whom all things are made, and without him was not anything in heaven or earth made. He came down from heaven, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven, was made man and was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and from the Virgin Mary. He became man, was crucified for our sake in the days of Pontius Pilate, suffered, died, was buried, and he rose from the dead on the third day as written in the Holy Scriptures, ascended in glory into heaven, sat at the right hand of his Father, and will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the life-giving God, who proceeded from the Father. We worship and glorify him with the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son he is worshipped and glorified, who was spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic apostolic church, and we believe in one baptism for the remission of sins, and we wait for the resurrection of the dead, and the life to come, world without end. That's from the Episcopal Church Book of Common Prayer, and I just adore that. Isn't that beautiful? So when I say I hold the creeds of the faith, it's that kind of stuff. It's this core stuff about who God is, who Jesus is, who the Holy Spirit is, what salvation is all about. And then everything else, everything else is up for grabs. Like I'm going to search and try to find the truth and I'm going to look and I'm going to dig and I'm going to seek. But it's all around those beautiful truths, the historical truths of the faith that have been passed down to us from generations and generations of believing Christians who believe in God and in Jesus Christ, his son. Guys, thanks so much for listening. Until next time, keep searching. If you enjoyed this podcast, I would love to have you join me over on my website at christylynnwood.com. For more content, free resources, and opportunities to connect with a community of people who are looking for the real God.